the blue and orange bubbles explode into the blotches of light in the lens of her Nikon camera as she wriggles around, trying to catch the angle. She lowers the camera and knits her brows with her tips slanted down, resembling the shaggy thatched roof of a Disney cartoon house, just like the one of dwarves in Snow White. She glances down at her apparatus. The freshly fallen snowflakes are forming an even white halo around a prominently protruding lens. She gasps and reluctantly dusts it off with her index finger, outlined by thick braid crawling all along the kneaded glove. The snow is dry and doesn't cling to the fabric. Instead, the glittering particles weave into a thin curtain, which sways slowly and eventually dissolves into the cool air. With no people, it doesn't work, she whispers to herself. She bends back, balancing in a shaky position. The thought of holding a precious camera restricts her so desired tumble into the fluffy snow. The sky is muffled and blurred. The cloudy shroud is rasped in one small place, revealing the blueness behind it, like the fabric of well-serving jeans. She is a portrait photographer who captures the moments in life of happy people. People jump, laugh, dance, whistle, fall inside her shots. Humans who are being humans as this species is defined today. She doesn't ask them to strike any poses. She rents no studios. The city streets furnish her atelier and the lighting comes from the sun, the stars, and the beaming signs of bakeries. She has developed her photographic vision over the years of everyday walks through hidden alleys and visits to cherished personal downs of her characters. She doesn't distort the photographs by cropping or stretching. No, she only plays with colors and shadows. She might make the candlelight warmer and the roof shadow more obscure. With the coming of every new season, she puts on a beanie or a cap and hops outside to capture the ephemeral beauty of the fleeting moment. And every time she gives in to her helplessness in this task, her friends reassure her that a portrait in all shapes and colors is her genre, that pictures with no human characters will always look lifeless to her. Because she admires people who inhabit places, streets, rooms, and her photographs. She winds her agreement, but being incorrigible dreamer, she persists with her attempts. Only to once again wince, chuckle, and implore her friend to meet for tea and pie. And a portrait photograph. The photo camera has always been there for her, despite its unruly nature and its penchant for dozing off after every other thousand of shots, the camera has never betrayed or let her down. It follows her into the scorching July afternoon and a biting December blizzard, as well as into a candlelit Italian restaurant and a lemon-perfumed large garden. She rubbed the side of the camera when she could not yet chirp the alphabet song. She was growing up with her grandparents in the small village town to the north of the city where she lives now. The town nestles in unshakable traditions and has suspended its passage through time decades ago. The clinking of two old trams seems to be the very mechanism which keeps the clock ticking on the front facade of the town hall and people clacking their shoes against the street pavement every day. Their house is festooned with lace-like carved window frames, so common for their northern region. 
Every year her grandfather renews the bright layer of paint, and when he completes the job, she asks him and her grandmother to come to the window from the inside of the house and let her capture this moment on camera. The window frame creates an illusion of a classical oil portrait locked into the dimension of a photograph. The spectacle starts already at the vanity table, where her grandmother paints her lips a bright pearlescent color and ties a huge bow on her weakened blouse. Her grandfather raises his shabby brows and shouts, Where are my glasses? I don't see we have a witch or an ostrich who broke into our house. The grandmother stops dabbing perfume on her neck and replies in a quivering, boiling voice that her husband is an old and bitter scoundrel. The grandparents finally bicker their way to the window and sit down. Her grandfather doesn't think that everything is in place, particularly his wife Shinyon. He starts the attack by firing a question as to who is the fool behind the invention of this thing? The grandmother retaliates with a comment that somebody's moustache is nothing more than a shabby dust collector. The battle for Shinyon grows in tension and after a few more flattering courtesies results in a thick embrace and a loud kiss. To seal the treaty, a series of photographs is snapped and will soon land on the pages of a family album. Her grandfather practices two full-time jobs, a tireless everyday comedian and a nimble mechanic. His professional workshop is composed of a sturdy table and three shelves in the living room which hold his trusty tools. People from all over the town bring to him their broken clocks, radius, record players. A charming old lady once brought her kitten who broke its paw, and he was faced with the burden of delicately disillusioning her of her belief in his magical abilities. And of course, some people bring their ailing photo cameras. This is how she first laid her small child's hands on a peculiar object studded with buttons. Miraculously, the inhabitants of the small northern town appear to be avid amateurs of photography and ingenious breakers of their cameras. As often as once a month, a new camera lands on the table in their living room. Her grandfather taught her everything he knew himself about photography and let her take one shot on every newly repaired camera. The clumsy shots of their neighbor watering the blooming cucumber bushes and her grandmother scrubbing a pot above the soapy sink were her first attempts at the portrait photography. Just like this, by holding someone's camera in her shaking hands, she has found the subject for her clicks and clacks. People doing what makes them happy. Her grandfather, who did not receive any formal education, showed great devotion to educating her, his granddaughter. When she was small, she was not asking herself questions. Where did he get that hardcover album of Henri Cartier Breton's photographs? And that book on the history of New York in black and white, which to this day is tucked away fourth on the third shelf up from the bottom in their bookcase? Where did he learn how aperture was invented? Some questions are lucky enough not to be trivialized by an answer. Today, She's standing on the embankment of a frozen, motionless river, with a view on a lofty, turquoise palace belted by curly pilasters. She looks down at her feet and starts drawing shapeless figures with the tip of her right boot on the snow-sprinkled pavement. One figure resembles a star, another one a lolly spiral. 
she's waiting for a couple to take photographs of them. In the city clad in white, at the somber winter hour, a few shades of blue before the night, the lights are sparkling here and there, along the streets, on the buildings. The clunky snowflakes are slowly gliding down in the air. Hi, it's so good to see you. Good to see you. Hey, it's my pleasure. It's so cold today. I can't imagine how you guys keep warming these. I know, we look odd. Just done with the rehearsals. No, you look perfect. You don't often see people dressed in tool skirts and prince jackets underneath the puffers. The nutcracker and Clara are huddling in front of her, the snows flickering on their knitted beanies. The pompons dangle from side to side as they move their heads. Clara rubs her red cheeks with her hands hidden beneath huge mittens. The nutcracker mainly keeps his hands out in the cold, flicking the snow off himself. The nutcracker's become a second skin, so couldn't take it off. It's like method acting. You can take out the costumes from the theater. We need to fix some stitches here and there. I'll be doing it tonight. Of course, we were supposed to take them off before leaving the theater, but at our own risk are keeping them on. Well, first you're the ballet dancers, and only then normal people. That's just the right way to put it. They walk up to the Baroque balustrade, delineating the edge of the elevated embankment. Clara wipes the snow away from the banister and sits down to race to his height. The nutcracker, in his turn, puts his head down on her lap, forcing Clara to lower her head over his and start laughing. She lifts her camera up above the couple and adjusts the angle so that in the shot get a part of his face, her cheek, both pom-poms and snowflakes smudging the picture. The nutcracker holds Clara's hand in his, supporting her as she stretches her leg up in a ballet-perfect split. They lift their free arms in the air and look up, as if watching the stars and looking for the brightest one. The camera lets out a click. He embraces Clara and lifts her up in the air. She bends back as much as allows her puffer. A rare scene, the ballet dancers frozen in a sharp position, only their tongues sticking out in an attempt to catch the snowflakes. Click. The three of them walk together along the shopping passage, illuminated by amber light flowing out from the display windows. Clara stops, her eyes riveted on the rustled and cheaped antiques glimmering in the window. Click. In the bakery, they warm their hands around the big cups of tea with lemon and honey, laugh, and talk about the woolen socks they hated in their childhood. Goodbyes are said, and now she's walking home with her camera full of new photographs, with her fingers numb from cold, and her cheeks burning from happiness. Beautiful time of the day to everyone. Thank you once again for listening to my story. It warms my heart. Let me invite you behind the scenes of writing. Now, I don't remember where and when exactly I was struck by an idea to write this story, and what's more, I don't remember where and when I was writing it, which is weird, as I usually can to the finest detail retrace the writing process. Here I have a blank picture before my eyes, which again is weird, because I was nourishing myself with a vivid over of a very real photographer. So, this photographer was the inspiration behind the character, 
and her style sort of shaped the backdrop. I should make a disclaimer that everything, everything in the story is fictionalized, so it shouldn't be taken as a glimpse into the real life of a real person. Okay, truth settled. For several years now, I've been following on Instagram a photographer Lisa Troyanovska from St. Petersburg, Russia. You can find her at Lisa underscore Troyanovska. She has a gorgeous sense of everything in photography. The colors, the composition, the moment, the warm shades, the sincere emotions, the film quality of her pictures. I imagine that my character mimics her artistic touch. About the story itself, I chose to give some biographical background to my character and make it emanate from her memories of the town where she grew up, of her grandparents who raised her. I loved writing that part of the text as it was feeling like the most far-fetched, the most fairy taleish moment that I wrote recently, although it still rests in the realm of possibility. I myself love watching old people who are being playful and full of life. Most of the times I see them in movies, of course, but if I come across a comedic scene featuring elderlies in real life, my day is automatically rendered fun and the best. Uh, it took me a while of thinking who the character would be taking photos of. I was looking through the photo series of Lisa, but I realized that I wanted to make it up myself. And probably at that moment I was under the aesthetic influence of ballet, and that's why the couple are ballet dancers. Oh, wow. I just realized that St. Petersburg is a city with a cultivated ballet tradition, so that might have also influenced me. Although, I did not define where the action takes place in the story, so it's up to you to decide. The ending of the story, nothing much to say here, I just like it. Uh, I wanted the girl to finally feel warm after a day spent in the cold, in the winter. Yeah, I wanted to warm her up. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed the story. I wish you an animated week and an animated day. I will be back very soon with more stories and salut!